Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Bill Waddell and Bob Dorman are physical therapists at Massachusetts General Hospital's inpatient physical therapy service. They were in the hospital on the day of the marathon bombing, and they've been there since, working firsthand with many of the victims, whose injuries have been vast and in many cases severe. One of the common injuries inflicted by the bombs was burns, and in this episode, our guests provide insight of what it's like to recover from a severe burn, an injury that can inspire psychological scars as deep as the physical ones. They also describe how treatment of individuals with burns has evolved over the years. This is the second episode of our three-part Beyond Boston series, examining the road to recovery for many of the more than 260 individuals injured in the April 15th bombing. You can listen to other parts of the series at www.move4pt.com radio. With that, here's our interview with Bill Waddell and Bob Dorman. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. The first question before we get to the Boston Marathon Day, give me a general sense of what the average day is like in the inpatient physical therapy services area that you are at Massachusetts General Hospital. Bill, you want to start? Well, I work on the orthopedic and burn service, so our typical day is seeing orthopedic and burn patients, including things like joint arthroplasty patients, fractures, burns, of course, and sometimes ACL repairs, things like that. And Bob? It's very similar. You can see a wide variety of patients, anywhere from elective procedures, like Bill said, with joint replacements, spine surgeries, surgical correction procedures, or orthopedic trauma patients, patients with spinal cord injuries, patients with burns, critical care patients. So it's a wide variety of elective patients choosing to have surgery and patients that have had trauma and have admitted to the hospital. In the average day, I mean, how many patients are you seeing that are almost in that more urgent care scenario? I would say we see anywhere between maybe six and nine patients a day. And then on the day of the Boston Marathon, the bombing, how was that day different and how was it the same? Well, most of the day was the same. I mean, I think we all had our eye on the televisions around the hospital watching the progress of the race. And then when the actual report started coming in that there was a situation, I think we all sort of became a little prepared, I would say. We suddenly understood that we might be getting a lot more patients coming our way. And as it unfolded, we were still somewhat in the dark for a while as to the exact cause of the situation and exactly how it might affect the hospital. So, But the hospital as a whole went into a readiness situation. And what kind of injuries did you guys see that day? I don't think we saw a whole lot of injuries that day because a lot of those patients were coming in through the emergency department first. They were being assessed, and anyone with very minor injuries probably wouldn't need to be seen by physical therapy. And other patients that had more significant injuries, such as amputations, severe burns, things of that sort, needed to be assessed further before we could see them that day. Yeah, so let's talk about that process. So how how soon was it then that you started to see some of those bombing victims? Depending on the diagnosis, I would say between maybe the day after, but definitely within the next few days after that. For patients that are burned, 
they're not necessarily going to immediately start mobilizing. A lot of those patients might need grafts, and they would probably get their graft before they started mobilizing. We would see them, it looked like there was going to be a wait for them to get their graft. We might see them a little bit earlier. And then other people with broken bones or other trauma, if they didn't require surgical intervention, we might see them earlier, but the surgical intervention would always come first. Let's talk a little bit about burns. First of all, just the victims who had burns, are those burns similar to if I burn my hand touching a pot on the stove, or are they not comparable? They're similar. The touching your hand on a stove typically, and not always, but would be a first-degree burn, a very minor burn. It might be red, it might be inflamed and swollen, similar to a sunburn in some ways. The kind of burns that the physical therapy department sees are much more involved. They go through more layers of thickness of the skin and often require graft in order for the skin to heal. And the other big difference, I would say, with these patients was if you touch your hand to the stove, you burn your hand. These patients had burns all over their body because of the shrapnel that was within the bombs, and so there might have been smaller burns involving a greater percent of the body. So it wasn't just one body part being treated. Now, that's no different than a patient that experiences an 80% burn from a house fire. But that was one difference about this patient population was that the shrap metal injuries added something unique to it. So you mentioned the skin grafts, but typically what is the role of physical therapy in treating someone who has burns, especially extensive burns like that that are all over their body? What's the physical therapist looking to help the patient with? Similar to... Most things we do, we're looking for all of the patient's physical and even cognitive and emotional impairments. So things such as range of motion, strengthening, skin integrity, balance, gait. So it's similar to pretty much all patients a physical therapist might see, but, you know, the main difference is, is that, one, these burns are very painful often, and usually the donor site that they take the skin graft from in order to cover the burn is usually even more painful than the burn site. So someone might have an upper extremity burn, which wouldn't necessarily require physical therapy, but maybe occupational therapy, but they may have a large donor site that's very painful, meaning that they would require a walker or balance training or something of that sort. Yeah, so give me a sense of somebody who is in that pain, what are the things that a physical therapist could do to try and help them alleviate that pain, either in the moment or in terms of keeping that pain from obstructing their daily living? Well, of course, initially... One of the main things that we would do is to make sure they're pre-medicated before we come and see them. It requires some coordination with the nursing staff and making sure that their pain medication is adequate to at least control their pain. Typically, we're not going to take them out of pain with their, their pain medication, but at least to get it at a level that's manageable or tolerable. Other things are typically with a burn, especially like a lower extremity, more distal burn. When the person first puts their legs dependent or closer to the floor and they're sitting up, the blood will rush down into where the graft site is and cause some throbbing in the burn. The sensation of pain will intensify typically for the patient. So often we will ace wrap the affected limb in order to prevent the blood from pooling quite so much uh, near the graft site, which may help their pain. But it is a process. I mean, it's not something that you can completely eliminate. 
another big thing that I think we do is we teach patients how to move around, minimizing the pain. So depending on where the burn is, if it's on your thigh, if it's on your back, if it's on your stomach, we teach patients how to move around in their environment, minimizing the shearing across the burn because that's going to cause more pain. So like Bill said, using pain medication, using compression or ACE bandages, working on positioning and a lot of instruction as to how to move around in their environment without causing them more pain is, is really what we're focusing on in the early days after a burn injury. Are there any other kind of side effects, essentially, of the burn? I mean, that's essentially a side effect of I have a burn and therefore I sort of can't move normally as I would. Are there other side effects that come with that? Like Bill had spoken about a couple of things, if you have a burn over your ankle, you're not going to move your ankle and your ankle muscles can get stiff and tight. If you have a burn in a certain part of your body, you may get weakness. It can cause pain. There's obviously a large psychological component to this because it's disfiguring. Different than when someone fractures a bone, they don't have the disfigurement that they are now left with a burn injury. So a burn can cause many different deficits and it really just depends on where it is in the body, how large it is, how deep it is. It's hard to compare patients with burn injuries because no two burns are alike because it really depends on the location, the depth, the size of the burn, and that really is what impacts the side effect and then what we do as physical therapists to intervene on. So there are lots of problems that come from a burn, and physical therapy usually tries to address each one of those. I just also wanted to say that as the new graft heals in the area, the skin that's the new skin that's healing will contract, and if that person does not continue to range that limb, often you can get a skin or a joint contracture from that. So that's yet another thing that can result from burns. So recognizing that no two burns are alike and therefore no two burn patients are alike, for some of these victims that, that came out of the Boston Marathon with burns after the bombing, what is a likely range for their recovery? I mean, how long could they be dealing with physical therapy before they're back to functioning normally and, and not in that preventative, that pain that prevents them from living life as, as they normally would? I mean, are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? Uh, what's ahead for them? So the pain is going to resolve over the next couple of weeks. I mean, usually when someone is grafted, people heal up within the first two to three weeks. But when you're talking about burn rehab in general, it's a lifelong process. It takes skin up to two years to fully heal and mature. And so even though the acute stages are done, patients enter into the subacute phases and the long-term phases where they need to deal with scarring, they need to deal with skin contracture, they need to deal with the cosmetic issues, they need to deal with rehabilitation and working on endurance. Some of these patients and some other burn patients also had amputation, so learning how to live with the prosthesis. But burn injury is something that's a lifelong process and patients need to always maintain good exercise habits, good range of motion habits, good positioning habits. They need to worry about contracture. The other big thing with burned skin is it's never as strong as healthy skin. So even though someone is healed up, three years down the road, their skin may tear or may get injured more easily than someone else that didn't have burned skin. So they're dealing with a lifetime of rehab. Of course, the majority of that rehab is going to happen within the first year. I mean, that's really what I would think a lot of these victims of, of the bombing and other burn patients is really about a year to 18 months where the majority of rehabilitation is occurring. And then after that, hopefully there's a maintenance program that they're able to carry on themselves. Well, I'm giving a sense of how the process of treating bird victims has changed over the years. 
I would say that we have a much greater role today. Years ago, the major focus on burn care was survival. Patients with larger burns tended to pass away. And over the years, the medical management of burns has evolved, and so patients are living with larger burns. And so physical therapy has really evolved in the ability to really restore function. So 10 years ago, a patient with an 80% burn probably didn't survive, whereas today, an 80% burn is rare to pass away. Patients are living with these larger burns, which just means there's more functional deficits that physical therapy needs to work. So I think physical therapy has had a much greater role in burn care today. Because patients are surviving, we need to think about the long-term outcomes of burns, which we don't necessarily know. We don't have that literature that tells us what is the best therapy to maximize long-term outcome. In my opinion, how physical therapy has changed over the years, we we have a much greater role in working with patients with larger burns to maintain function and then to help restore whatever function is lost and allowing patients to return to a good quality of life. I think in addition, in the past, perhaps burn, the appearance of the burn was not considered so important. The patient may be left with, you know, significant scarring. And as Bob said, the concentration was survival, not being cosmetically correct. But I think as burn care has evolved, it's been realized how important that psychological effect is for burn patients. And so I think there's been more effort both on the part of the surgeons and the physical therapists to try to help maintain the skin integrity and to make it as acceptable to the person as possible just because it has such an effect on their life going forward. Someone that has a large facial burn that they cannot hide, that's going to affect them psychologically down the road. And so, you know, I think burn surgery has addressed that, but also physical therapy in some ways can help to address that through dealing with uh, burn scarring, etc. Again, recognizing the no two patients are alike. If you're seeing a patient for the first time who has a significant burn, who is disfigured in some way, what's the first challenge to getting them going? I mean, is it the physical pain? Is it the emotional trauma of what they went through? What's that first challenge just to get them moving in the right direction? From my perspective, as you said, no two patients are alike. It really depends on what seems to be primarily limiting the patient. For some patients, it is the psychological aspect. They're more afraid to move than their physical limitations really are. You know, they there may be fear. There may be they maybe they don't want to leave the room because they don't want anyone to see them looking like that. In some ways, it helps to you know have all the burn patients on the same floor because they see each other. They realize that they're not the only one going through this. So I think there is definitely a psychological barrier in some ways for many of the patients. Not all. Some have enough inner resources to draw upon that it doesn't affect them so much. But, you know, I think everyone would be affected in that way. I would say the pain is probably a huge factor, especially in the early days. I think anyone who has not had a significant burn, including myself, cannot imagine the kind of pain that they're having from this. And so, yeah, so how do you get somebody who is in that kind of pain to pushing through it because they have to? How do you start that? If you have a significant burn, how do you encourage somebody to begin physical therapy? People are in significant pain, but I think the the entire team, the doctors, the nurses, the physical therapists, all work together to control that pain. So there are lots of things that can be done through medications. There are surgical techniques. There are 
surgical interventions that can be done. There are dressings that can be put over the burns to decrease the pain. So patients are in significant pain, but we control that pain first, and then we progress mobility, and the entire team comes together to ensure that the pain is at a level that allows patients to mobilize. Because if someone is in excruciating pain, they can't mobilize. No matter what we do as physical therapists or the doctors do, they're not going to be able to mobilize. So the first focus is to do everything we can as a team to control that pain, and then work with the patient within their own comfort level, and every patient is different in terms of their pain tolerance. Some patients can work with high pain levels, and others can't. And so we find that level and we find because early mobility is so important in long-term outcome, we work as a team to control the pain to allow the patient to move. I just wanted to say also, I think any pain consult service would tell you what a multifaceted impairment pain is. I mean, there's a whole branch of medicine dedicated to pain. And I think, as Bob said, the whole team comes together. Part of that team is a psychiatrist and a social worker who You know, pain and anxiety go together very linked in many cases. And dealing with patients' psychosocial issues and or psychiatric issues, including acute anxiety from the situation, even that helps to decrease pain. As you guys have seen some of the victims of the Boston Marathon bombing, do you come away with any indelible images either of those patients or that experience, what it was like to be on your side and and to see those victims come in? I mean, I do. I mean, I think it was a surreal week, like Bill said. The day that it happened, I don't think, was too different for us. Certainly, the hospital was on ready state, but the patients were just being medically stabilized on that day. So physical therapy didn't have a great role in in managing the patients on that day. But just through all the events that occurred over the week, and especially on April 19th, I think it it was a very surreal week. I, I can remember treating some of the patients that had more minor injuries of a, of a fractured bone and treating them in the hospital while they were watching on TV the events that were unfolding on the 19th of chasing the suspects. And so it, w- it was just that aspect of it was very surreal for me, but it also gave me a better awareness of understanding blast injuries. I mean, I, we don't get a chance to work with many patients with blast injuries as in terms of the military injury and things like that, but the shrapnel injuries, the blown eardrums that happen with blast injuries, the significant psychological component that occurs of strangers being around the patient. I think that's what I take away from that was really unique to these patients, and that really will stick with me for a long time, and hopefully I never need to treat patients with blast injuries again in the future, but would have a better understanding if I did. I would also agree in terms of the diversity and scattered nature of the injuries. That was what struck me the most because it was a blast injury and there was shrapnel involved. The injuries were not localized to one area. They were spread across the body. And so the patient's primary issue may have been a leg wound, a burn wound, or a fractured bone, but they have may have had other injuries which prevented or made care more difficult. A lot of patients were also burned on their upper extremities, so it was hard for them to use a walker or crutches or anything because they couldn't put weight on their hands. So you always think there's an answer, and there is. We, we figure out how to treat those patients, but it does become very challenging when the wounds are, and injuries are so scattered. Maybe this is an unfair question to ask, to to ask you to generalize in this nature, but in your experience, did the victims come away more emotionally scarred, psychologically scarred, physically scarred, or was it really just this twisted mass of, of all those problems? I feel like it totally depended on the patient. Some patients seem to be coping well with the situation. I'm sure it's traumatic in any situation like that. I remember back years ago when 9-11 happened, 
it wasn't in our city, but it affected everyone psychologically in some way. And I think this just even brought it closer to home, that this kind of thing can happen anywhere. And as I said, some people coped very well with it. Other ones had a very difficult time coping with that fact or, you know, may have various feelings which made it difficult to cope. Guilt, because other people they knew were injured worse than they were. So I I really think it came down to the person, the the state of mind they were in at the time, and, you know, probably their baseline personality before the injury. And, And I don't think I can speak to any of those patients specifically, but I would just say any patient that undergoes any type of trauma, I think, has a lasting psychological deficit, whether it's a house fire, whether it's a car accident. They all have a lasting impact on patients, and I would say what was really different, it wasn't about those patients that week. It was just the entire hospital was different. The amount of security that was in the city, the entire city was different. I mean, like Bill said, recognizing that it can happen so close to home and seeing it firsthand, I think all the patients in the hospital probably were impacted. All the staff in the hospital were impacted by it. But I think the traumatic outcome, of the, the, the psychological outcome of any trauma is true for any patient, regardless of the, the cause of the accident. You each alluded to ways that you had an experience as a physical therapist that you hadn't had before, saw things on a scale or specificity that you hadn't seen before. Personally, though, did you come away changed from this experience in any way? Initially, I would have to say that I was a bit traumatized by the whole thing. It's frightening, and it sort of shakes you to your core when something like this happens so close to home. I think the thing that helped me get through that for myself was just seeing how Boston as a city reacted to the situation. And it really was amazing the way that people came together. We saw many prominent figures come and visit the patients at the hospital. And not only that, but they offered their thanks to the healthcare workers that took care of the patients, which was an amazing thing because it was affecting all of us. And so to have these prominent figures sort of acknowledge just how much work and care and compassion that the caregivers were putting into the patients was really, it meant something to us. Similar to Bill, and I would also say, I think it was just reaffirming sort of the role that we play as physical therapists and the impact we can have on patients' outcomes. I mean, I know we contribute to every patient, every critically care patient, early mobility, but I think just the focus that was on these patients and the focus of what their rehab needs were going to be and what the length of their rehab process is going to be like, to me, was reaffirming what we do from day one, from the from the day the patients came to the hospital and the day we started working with them. Did it change me? No, but I think it reaffirmed that sort of what I contribute to patients as they are recovering. So it's a week that I never want to relive. Bill Waddell, Bob Dorman, thank you for what you do, and thanks for spending time with us. My pleasure. Thank you. To listen to the other parts of our Beyond Boston series or any previous Move Forward Radio episodes, go to moveforwardpd.com slash radio. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.